2 Timothy. The series is called Endure. In preparing for this journey through 2 Timothy, it's just four chapters, so it won't be a long journey, but in preparing for this, this journey, I read several times that 2 Timothy isn't a popular book to preach through, and probably the main reason is that 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy and Titus are known as the pastoral epistles, so people think, well, this should only be taught to preachers or pastors, but I don't believe that is the case. You know, especially 1 Timothy and Titus speak about qualifications for, for elders and deacons. 2 Timothy doesn't get into that, though. But it's thought that, well, this is just for pastors. But as I said, I don't believe that's the case. And actually, technically, Timothy wasn't a pastor. He was someone Paul had placed in Ephesus to uh, help that church because it was going through, uh, well, a difficult time with false teaching. So that's one reason why maybe we don't hear much about 2 Timothy on a Sunday morning. Another might be that, well, 2 Timothy comes after 1 Timothy, and if you're going to preach 2 Timothy, you probably want to preach 1 Timothy first, which I did a couple of years ago. And 1 Timothy is one of those books that has a couple of, at least a couple of difficult passages, maybe controversial to some. So that might be another reason why we don't hear much about 2 Timothy. But as we go through this uh, book of the Bible, we'll see that there are, there are many uh, verses that are well-known, well-loved by Christians, and, and we shouldn't neglect the book of, of 2 Timothy. So to begin with, let's start with an introduction to this book, 2 Timothy. So I alluded already to the author. The author is Paul. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul is the author. At this point in time, Paul is in prison in Rome, and he's awaiting execution. He's pretty sure that he will be executed. He doesn't know exactly when, but he's in prison with that thought in his mind. So Paul is the author. Second, as I said, the recipient is Timothy. Look at verse 2, to Timothy, my beloved child. So notice Paul calls Timothy his beloved child. He also calls him his child in chapter 2, verse 1. He wasn't his literal child. But Paul acted like a father to Timothy. You could say that Timothy was sort of like Paul's protege. He, he worked alongside Paul, Timothy was, was younger, probably Paul was old enough to be Timothy's father, and so uh, he may have been a convert of Paul's, so he calls him my beloved child. And what we see about Timothy, if you, if you have read in the newsletter, if you read the newsletter, I encouraged you to read through Second uh, Timothy is only four chapters, and uh, if you read through that, you may have noticed some things that come up over and over again in Second Timothy, and we'll, we'll see that. Today, we're just getting an overview of the book, but one of the things 
based on what Paul writes to Timothy, one of the things that seems to be true about Timothy is that he's someone who might struggle with, with feelings of fear and, and shame. You look at chapter 1, and verses 6 through 8. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So, so Timothy had a very uh, special experience where, where uh, his gifting was recognized uh, by God through the apostle Paul. Verse 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self Control. So probably Paul mentions not having or not God not giving us a spirit of fear because Paul was someone who might struggle with, with fear. And then continuing on, verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And so, and we've seen this before as we've gone through 2 Corinthians uh, some people look down on, on Paul because of his suffering. Now he's in prison. They said, well, where's the power of God in that man's life? And, and so there was the temptation here to be ashamed of, of, of Paul, ashamed of the struggles that Paul and Timothy faced. So it seems that based on this and other things that, that, that Paul writes in 2 Timothy, Timothy would... As a younger man, he struggled with, with fear and with shame. I'm not saying that that derailed his ministry, but those were, those were dangers that, that Paul saw in his life. So Timothy is the recipient. Uh, the genre, in other words, what kind of writing is it? It's, it's a letter written by Paul to Timothy. Uh, though Timothy did not keep it to himself, he shared it, obviously, and we have it today. And 2 Timothy is the last New Testament letter that Paul wrote. The date, we can't be certain, uh, but we do know that this occurred shortly before Paul's execution, his martyrdom. And uh, Eusebius, a uh, historian, he, he uh, according to him, says that Paul was martyred sometime during Nero's reign. Nero's reign ended in AD 68. So uh, one... Uh, Popular thinking is that he probably wrote this in AD 64 or 65, though it could have been 66 or 67. We can't be sure, but uh, somewhere in that time range, Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. Some, we do know that it was sometime uh, before his, his death. He saw his death coming. And then finally, the theme of 2 Timothy is endurance, Christian endurance. Paul encourages Timothy to endure when ministry gets difficult. And we could apply that to not just ministry, though it's not just people like Paul and Timothy who are ministers. Really, and we just did a series on shape to serve, all of us in, in that way are ministers. We are to serve Christ, we're to serve one another, and, and that can get difficult, and we are to endure, we're to persevere, we're to keep on going when that uh, suffering, when those times of difficulty come. So the theme here is endurance. Paul uh, showed endurance. He continued on even though death was coming, execution would happen. He was fairly sure 
and uh, Timothy would face his share of struggles, as Paul mentions here in this letter. Endurance. So, one of the things you would see if you were to read through 2 Timothy is that Paul talks a lot about suffering. And I just want to go through some of the... We're not going to read the whole letter, though I think one of these times we're just going to read the whole letter when we start, especially one with just four chapters. Just read the whole thing so that we, we get the full context. But we won't do that this morning, but we're going to read probably a pretty good chunk of 2 Timothy this morning. But I want to really focus in on the parts where Paul talks about suffering. So we read verse 8 already. Let me read it again. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So this is suffering for the gospel. Verse 9, who who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So talking about how we become, you could say, a child of God, how we are saved, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ, who came into this world to abolish, what does it say, abolish death and brought life. He did that through his death and resurrection. And so that is what Christ has done for us, and we trust in what he has done for us in order to become a child of God, a person uh, saved, uh, spared from the judgment that we deserve. And then verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day, the day of Christ's return, what has been entrusted to me. Going down to chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ." Jesus. Then verses 8 through 10. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But, I like this part, the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he was thinking about the elect, thinking about those who would be saved and, and, and how his suffering might be used by God to, to bring that about. And then chapter 3, verse 1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People often ask the question, uh, do you think we're living in uh, the last times? And what they mean by that is, uh, will Christ return very soon? Uh, But if you read the New Testament, the end times or the last days really refers to all of the time period after the death and resurrection of Christ and the coming of the Spirit, all of that time from then to when Christ will return. So we are living in 
the last days. And he says, there will come times of difficulty. And going down to verses 10 through 14, you, however, and he's contrasting Paul, or sorry, Timothy with the false teachers in Ephesus, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Notice what he says next. My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue. You can see endurance in the word continue. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And then finally, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And this really gets into the pastoral part of 2 Timothy, well, there's some other parts there that are pastoral. Though Timothy, as I said, wasn't a pastor, he was a preacher. And he was continue to continue on doing that, even though it wasn't always easy to do. Mainly because seeing people just weren't listening or didn't want to listen. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So they'll just listen to people who will tell them what they want to hear. Verse 4, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so, over and over again, Paul talks about suffering. And based on what Paul says about suffering in this letter, and we could look at a wider view and look at other parts of Scripture, but we'll just keep it to 2 Timothy this morning. Based on what what Paul writes here about, about suffering... Uh, we can make two observations, I believe, about suffering in the life of a Christian. The first is, suffering doesn't necessarily mean that I've failed God. Now, there are times when God, as a loving Father, has to correct us. There are times when we disobey the Word of God and There are consequences to that. So sometimes we bring suffering into our own lives. But suffering doesn't necessarily mean that I failed God. Uh, Paul says in in chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, that he suffers because he's been appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. Has he failed God? Wasn't perfect, but he hadn't failed God as preacher and an apostle and a teacher. He hadn't failed God. Is he suffering? Yes, he is suffering. But his suffering is not an indication, like some would have said, it's not an indication that he has failed God. What Paul says here is that 
even in his chains, God can work through Paul. So suffering doesn't necessarily mean that I've failed God. Secondly, suffering never means that God has failed me. Now, maybe if we have a wrong idea of what it means to be a Christian and what God has promised to us, we might think that God has failed us when, when suffering comes. Maybe we were under the impression that if we gave our life to Jesus, that things would go smoothly, everything would be good, and we would have easy and comfortable lives. But that's not what we see in Paul's life. That's not what we see in the words of Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy. Suffering never means that God has failed me. In talking about this, this suffering, Paul isn't complaining about his suffering. Paul keeps on faithfully doing what God has called him to do. Knowing that, that Christ has suffered for him, an unworthy sinner, Christ died for him, and he also knows that his suffering is not in vain. That God, again, can use, would use Paul's suffering. Looking at chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, Paul says, For I am ready, or already, being poured out as a drink offering. He's talking about his death, which is on the horizon. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So he's not just talking about himself here. He's saying that this can also be true to, to all who love or are looking forward to anticipating the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so he wasn't blaming God, he wasn't bitter, he wasn't angry about his suffering, though Paul suffered uh, in great ways. He knew, based on the cross, that God loved him, that God had a calling for him, and part of that was to go through times of suffering. His suffering was not in vain. And so he didn't blame God or get angry at God. He didn't believe that God had failed him, and neither should we when suffering comes. So two observations. Suffering doesn't necessarily mean that I've failed God, and suffering never means that God has failed me. Uh, what we see here is that we shouldn't be surprised by suffering. We shouldn't be shocked when suffering comes into our lives. Paul says that it's normal for a Christian to suffer. And I don't have all of the answers to why we go through the suffering that we do and all that God might be doing through it. But we do know that God can use that suffering to, to further his purposes. And that was certainly the case with Paul. Now, again, the Bible never promises us an easy life. It tells us that the Christian life demands endurance. So that's the other thing we see in 2 Timothy. It talks a lot about suffering. It also talks a lot about the need for endurance. When, when you hear that word endurance, what comes to mind? Endurance. 
Maybe you think of running a marathon. Perseverance. Anyone ever run a marathon? 10K? <laughs> Some have run a 10K. I might have done that once. I've done a 5K. Uh, nowhere near uh, world record pace, I'm sure. Probably near uh, the lowest pace possible. Uh, but even that requires endurance. You might think of doing something like that, something physically demanding. Um, you might think of a, a difficult season in your life where you needed to persevere, endure. Maybe you're going through one of those seasons right now. Uh, it requires endurance. If you need endurance, that tells you that you're going through something that isn't easy. If life was always easy, you wouldn't need endurance. But Scripture tells us over and over again that we do need endurance. Let me just quickly go through. We read some of these already. Let me just quickly go through some of the statements about endurance in 2 Timothy. Uh, chapter 1, verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So it speaks of faithfulness. Uh, talking about the gospel. Uh, for Timothy to keep on doing what God had called him to do. Chapter 2, verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I endure everything. Notice his motivation. For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the elect. Chapter 2, verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Now, that's not saying that we're not saved by grace, but the endurance is evidence of the Spirit's working in our, in our lives. Excuse me. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 24, patiently enduring evil. So Timothy would experience or would deal with people who were against him. He needed endurance, patience. Chapter 3, verse 11, Paul talks about the persecutions I endured. Chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So, so don't give up. Keep on going. Persevere. Endure. And then finally, chapter 4, verse 5. As for you, endure suffering. Now, this kind of endurance that we need is, is more than just uh, some sort of self uh, discipline or, or willpower. This is a, a, what you might call a gospel endurance. A gospel endurance. You think about the gospel. The gospel provides us with the strength to endure. Provides us with the truth to endure. The gospel tells us, first of all, that, that Christ suffered for our sins. And so we have a Lord and Savior who endured suffering. We serve a God who has experienced suffering when God the Son was born into this world as a human, not sheltered from suffering, but experiencing it all to the greatest degree. And so Christ suffered for our sins. The gospel big thing about it is the suffering of Christ. Our Lord suffered for us. 
The gospel also tells us that God can use suffering for good. You could say that, that the cross was at the same time both the worst thing that ever happened and the best thing that ever happened. The worst thing because Christ was crucified. But the best thing because God, through that, made it possible for us to be saved. So the cross, the gospel, teaches us that God can use suffering for good. And then thirdly, the gospel tells us there's something to look forward to beyond suffering. I'm thinking especially of uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where where Jesus uh, endured the suffering of the cross. He he despised the shame, which really means he he looked at that shame, the shame of the cross, and, and considered it nothing in comparison to what would come because of the suffering he would endure, the joy that was set before him. And we have a joy that is set before us. We have, uh, as Paul talks about in chapter 4, the appearing of Christ, meeting him face to face, uh, all that God has prepared for his people. Uh, The cross, the gospel tells us that there is something to look forward to beyond the suffering of this life. And so this this endurance that we're encouraged to have, that Timothy was encouraged to have, that that we are encouraged to have, is a gospel endurance. We see that endurance taught in the gospel. And this is the kind of endurance that we are to have. Often when there's there's a prayer meeting, you know, Many of the, the prayer requests will be something like, please pray for my Uncle Harold's bad hip. Is God concerned about, God, uh, is God concerned about Uncle Harold's bad hip? Yes, he is. But God's greatest concern for Uncle Harold isn't his bad hip. I'm not saying it's wrong to request prayer, for things like that. But we need to always be aware that, that those things are not God's greatest concerns for us. God's greatest concern for us is not our comfort. I'm not saying that God doesn't love us. I'm not saying he doesn't care about us. But, and you see this with Paul. God's greatest concern for Paul was not his comfort. He's in prison. He's awaiting execution. God's greatest concern for us is not our comfort. The goal of the Christian life isn't comfort. If that were true, then Paul would have been a failure as a Christian because he didn't live a very comfortable life. In 2 Timothy, Paul encourages Timothy to keep on doing the things that God has called him to do. He reminds Timothy in chapter 1 about uh, the laying on of Paul's hands a representation that God had called him to do something. And and maybe we haven't been called to be a a preacher or a pastor or a missionary in the professional sense. But God has given to each one of us a calling. 
He's called us to live in this life, in this world, a certain way, regardless of whether our, our, our life is comfortable or not, regardless of whether we are suffering or life is very easy right now. So we're to endure a gospel endurance to continue to do those things that God has called us to do. And so what 2 Timothy tells us is that the Christian life, it isn't easy, whether you're someone like Timothy or someone like us. It's not easy. There will be times of difficulty, Paul says. And in those times, we're not to give up. We're not to stop serving. We're not to stop uh, loving one another. We're to keep on going. We're to endure like Paul did, like Jesus did. And we're to endure with a gospel endurance.